Welcome to Something to Declare. Hello, David. How are you? I am very well. Thank you. Beth, how are you? Oh, very well. Thank you. Yes. Well, I say that I'm actually quite tired. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you, you always do that British thing of being like, yeah, yeah, great, thanks. And then you're like, oh, perhaps, perhaps yeah. a little bit more on the, on the low ebb, but actually fine. Yeah. But so we're here and we're grateful for that. It's always, this is always a joyful part of my week. I um, <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> so, um, so David, today uh, we're going to be uh, listening to somebody that you knew from college. Um, and we ended up having a kind of, you know, a pre-conversation as we were just kind of talking about, you know, what we were going to pick out of that story and, and, and that interview that um, inevitably becomes uh, the kind of the joke, social media, what they didn't teach me at theological college, hashtag. Um, and, and I've seen this with like various friends from college who do things like how to get this many chairs into the back of a car or, um, uh, you know, all, all sorts of very, you know, kind of bizarre things and it's like they did teach me this at theological college and um and I think that's very funny not least because um having done quite a lot of those myself I now find myself teaching at theological college um yes. so what what didn't they teach you at theological college David that you think um would have been helpful uh well genuinely some manual handling training I think would have been really helpful you know a huge percentage of ministry is moving chairs and I think how to do that safely and well is a blessing um it's a really good question, and I'm not sure of, of the answer in the sense that I think I felt like I got a little bit of everything that I needed, but not really enough of lots of things. Like I didn't really do, I think I did one module on the Old Testament in my undergraduate study at college. Now, I then did a master's and I deliberately picked two more Old Testament modules to try and fill a bit of that yep. gap, really. Um, college was very strange for me in that I came in expecting to sort of tolerate the history and the doctrine and all that stuff that they're going to make you do but really we want to talk about you know on the ground what's going on really contemporary stuff the mission and all sorts of things and actually all of those modules that attempted to do any of that were pretty poor really in comparison um but doctrine ethics totally captivated my thinking in a wonderful way and I actually probably feel like I could have done with some more church history uh, mm. as well as part of that I think now I'm thinking I think I'd have benefited from that we didn't really do uh, I, I don't know there's a whole kind of I don't think the spiritual formation side of it was as strong mm. as I might have benefited from as well I don't know so it was a really interesting conversation there's certainly lots of things that I've spent lots of time doing since that they didn't teach me about in college but how realistic was any of that that they would have done i think is the the other thing i mean and i guess you see this from both sides now because you're you know poacher turned gamekeeper um <laughs> <laughs> was there stuff that you came out of college thinking that you you know you could have done with more stuff on mm. and does that inform your practice now or is that beginning to yeah so i definitely i i hear what you say about the kind of what i would describe as the applied plumbing course um you know i i really wish i'd done um are more of those skill sets initially partly I think I was quite a young adult so so in terms of kind of growing up and learning adulting stuff in general I was still quite quite new so more on um good church counting where to spot mm. red flags um 
kind of you know those sorts of things um and certainly i i always i always say those kinds of things let's not assume people come in with a particular experience of professional life or anything before they get to college i think we're pretty good at actually for the most part but i think we just don't have enough time so i think that i think what i see on the other side of it is a recognition that we have um three years usually with kind of one day a week and then block weeks to kind of work out what are the bare essentials that we the, the kind of that you need the need to know stuff but then also much more than that kind of how do we how do we take people on a kind of spiritually formative journey because actually what we're trying to do is it's funny isn't it we use language minister and training in baptist life mm. but we're actually not really trying to train ministers we're trying to form ministers and we would very intentionally use language of formation um and I think, so actually, what does it mean to take people on a kind of formative journey over three years where they can go, I don't have enough Old Testament, I need to go and get that module, or um, I really aware that my skill sets in this aren't what maybe I want them to be, so I need to go and find some support in that, or um, uh, how do I, you know, how, how do we develop prayer lives that sustain us through hard points in ministry or um, groups of friends that, you know, keep you going when life is tough and you can ask for advice and I think it's I think it's more of the um so it's much more of the kind of spiritual formation I think that in the end we emphasize um we do that quite a lot liturgically as well I'm aware okay. as a kind of a college vibe um everybody comes in slightly like oh what is the what is this college book and by the end of it they're all pilfering it um yeah. so <laughs> so we have a kind of quite liturgical style regions quite often uh, okay. although I'm quite keen to play with that a little bit because I think um the fun of being Baptist and liturgy is that you can be super creative with it. So, um, uh, yeah, so I think it's interesting. It's definitely one where I think if we had another three years or about, you know, three times as many kind of classes, we could do a lot more. Yeah. But um, but then I think would it ever be enough? And everybody's ministry is so contextually so different um, yes. that I'm sure inevitably we can't. And also, like, I mean, you know, people who train for ministry 30 years ago and then the internet, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so different you know and the pandemics happen you know just stuff that we I mean the unknown unknowns are so unknown aren't they so I think it's more about kind of giving people enough of the tools enough of the tradition um enough of the kind of theological like language and concepts that they people can go okay this is where I go mm -hmm. so this is what I need to do this way yeah maybe it's that um but yeah, it's a really interesting one. I spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, uh, what I've also discovered is if you, um, you know, well, they didn't teach me at theological college was being a teacher at theological college. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> and when uh, folks are listening to the episode, if you're on, on Twitter, uh, perhaps you can let us know um, what uh, you wish you'd have learned more. What was missing for you at college would be, whether it's, you know, deeply humorous or deeply profound or indeed both uh we'd love to hear that so when the episode drops and the uh, the tweet goes out about that uh, reply to that letting us know what mm. um you wish you'd have been taught more about at theological college and um, but as you say uh, our guest this week is someone that i i met i had actually met chris uh, a couple of times uh, before in different contexts but I really got to know him well at college so appreciative of of his friendship and particularly his humor and his wisdom and uh, chris and i spent a lot of time sitting at the back row 
um, in our classes at Theological College. Um, and I'm, I wasn't a natural back row sitter, which tells you the different dynamics um, of Theological College where I was considered uh, back row. I was everywhere else I'd been. I was very much a front row uh, kind of a student. Anyway, uh, Chris is uh, excellent and a joy and the minister at Finch Hampstead Baptist Church. And we're going to listen in now to my conversation with him. Well, hello, Chris, and welcome to the Something to Declare podcast. Hey, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. We're glad to have you as part of it. Now, Chris, I was uh, telling uh, Beth just a bit earlier that uh, we met, uh, well, not quite for the first time at college, because you'd been to speak at a, a youth event, yeah. a couple of youth events, of which I was a young person, um, but um, got to know you better at college. And I remember sitting in the room um, on the first day and just even though I didn't know you very well I just seeing a familiar face walk into the room was such a tangible relief um, and uh, you know we sat on the back row for the rest of the three years <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I was remembering a particular occasion I don't know if you remember it was something to do with the Old Testament and we were asked a question do you remember this and it was like what difference would it have made if Abraham was from this tribe or something and very naive you know been there three weeks type students that we were we just went well god could have sorted it what's the problem and everyone else was in in-depth discussion for like 20 minutes and we're like why is everyone still yeah. <laughs> and that's always stayed with me as a, a proper memory um so talking of college though i wonder um apart from how to move chairs which seems to be like you know 90 percent of ministry mm -hmm. um, are there things that in the time since you've left that you feel like college uh, equipped you very well for or things that college didn't even mention that have been big parts of what you've done? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's difficult when you look back to think, okay, we did that college and that prepared me for these things because it just, it blurs into life, doesn't it? So, um, I mean, for us, we were church-based, um, so training, um, you know, having a couple of days a week at college and theology and all of that sort of stuff is great but then being able to put that into practice um in a church straight away I think that was really helpful and that prepared me a lot for ministry I think it prepared me a lot in finding ways to understand what not to do so the mistakes that I made um and that, <laughs> was, that was really helpful um but it's difficult to identify something that we explored or we looked at I remember like doing stuff on heaven and the whole session oh we don't actually go to heaven um and you know that, that was fun talking about that heaven coming to earth and all those sort of things but um in terms of the stuff that we did that actually prepared me and I can pinpoint back it's difficult to do um but I'm not saying that college didn't prepare me and that, that's, that's just my caveat in it but I do think there's a whole bunch of stuff that actually we didn't cover um at college that would have been helpful um to look at I think some of the leadership stuff um it did feel a little bit light um, at college uh, and it did feel a little bit focused on smaller church concepts so um, with a single minister and those things and hey I get that I understand that because the vast majority of Baptist churches are just a single minister in those places but you know for me I've got a large team and um, you know line management all that sort of stuff how do we do uh, leadership and vision and strategy with a team of people as well as doing something that's going to grow their faith and inspire them in that way I'd have loved a little bit more on that sort of stuff so 
don't know if that answers your question. I can't even remember what the question was now, but hey, yeah. that's my no, thought. It does. it does. And so you've been at Finch Hampstead Baptist Church since your ordination. Um, but the church has changed quite a lot from the church that you joined. Um, and you've been there quite a while now. Is it 14 years? Yeah, 2008. 2008. So I wonder if you might tell us a bit uh, about that, really, um, how things changed over that time. How have you sustained your ministry over that time as well? Uh, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. And um, so lots have changed and lots hasn't changed as well. So I know I just contradicted myself there. The thing that um, compelled Louise, my wife and I to come to FBC um, was the vision of the church. So um, in 2010, we built the FBC Centre, which is um, a big purpose-built community facility. It's got a sports hall, a library, children's centre, cafe, meeting rooms, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's a great facility. In pre-pandemic, we were seeing about three and a half thousand people a week that would come through the doors, and we've just oh. not got the counting thing back in place yet <laughs> since post-pandemic. Um, but it's a wonderful opportunity to connect with the community. Um, and so there was plans for this place before we came. Um, and I remember speaking to Louise, like we're saying, should we come or shouldn't we come? Because it wasn't a guarantee that we would be able to build the centre. And we said, you know, if the, if the FBC centre wasn't going to happen, would we still want to go and be part of the church? And we felt, yes, we would, because the vision that this church had, and it, we're not a big church, and we certainly weren't a big church then, maybe... I don't know, 110 people on a Sunday and over 50% of those were under 18. So, uh, you know, a mid-sized, smallish congregation had a, a vision this big. We thought we wanted to be part of that. Um, and that's the thing that stayed the same. Um, so the vision that compelled us to want to be part of the church was that outward looking uh, dynamic of we want to be in our community, we want to be for our community, we want to reach out to our community. And in the 13 or 14 years or so, that's what we've done and continue to find ways to do that. Now, what we do has changed and shifted. And since we built the FBC Centre, our, our models change. And you now we've gone through a pandemic that's changed. Loads of stuff's changed. But at the heart has always been that this passion to reach out to our community, to, to want to be a church that um, that is there for the benefit of the people who aren't part um, of the church. So um we've grown people have come people have gone the staff teams increased massively and decreased and increased and decreased and all, all of those changes um but the thing that remains the same is that that vision to be a church that is there for people who aren't part of the church yeah, and i'm i've been to the the center it's a fantastic uh, space um what's uh, one of the things or could you pick out something where you think like you couldn't imagine not having that now like you know if you were going to another church or whatever you know would you be bereft if there wasn't a library or a decent coffee machine or you know what what have been some of the transformative things for you well i suppose um the things that are the best are also the things that are the worst you know your biggest strengths <laughs> are, are your biggest weaknesses as well so i mean i love the fact that we've got a great cafe downstairs and i'm gonna just go and get um good coffee <laughs> whenever i want and cake uh, so that's great. It's probably not so good for my waistline. Um, I think part of the stuff, um, it, the most important thing is that that vision, again, that passion, that desire to want to reach out to our community and to be here, not just for the people who are already here. That's that's the thing that I couldn't be without if I went to another church. You know, it, that, it, if it didn't have that, that's the thing that, that I can have. 
and the centre is a great way for us to do that, but it also gets in the way a lot of the time because it's a community facility. We didn't build it so we can have better premises. We built it as a tool to reach out to the community and demonstrate God's love. So reminding myself that when I'm wanting to book a room to run Alpha, um, but I can't because, you know, it's booked up for other community events, um, that's a bit of a challenge. Um, and uh, the cafe is phenomenal, creates a great space for people to come in and a great space for me to meet with people and those things. But um, it also creates a challenge for the cafe team when we try and do things differently because we want them to run a great cafe and to have um, five star hygiene and all those sort of things. But we also want to be able to use it on a Sunday and we also want to do those other things. And it just it creates a tension. Um, so all the good things also create challenging things for us as well. Yeah, that's really interesting and I, I wonder if that reads across in all sorts of church situations actually you know that the things that are the best are also often the things that present some of the biggest yeah. biggest challenges and um, so given all of that that it's you know lots of people lots of engagement with the community um presumably the pandemic uh had a huge impact on what life looked like uh, for the church I wonder if you tell us a bit about that and and is there anything that you guys are starting to think about differently emerging out of it uh, compared to when it happened yeah that's a great question I think um, I think for lots of churches um, we certainly struggled during the pandemic because um, we can easily think that the reason we exist is to do church and when we mean church we mean Sundays largely though the reason we exist is to gather on a Sunday and to do those things and then along comes 2020 and we can't do that it's against the law um, to do that so what do we do our reason for existence is gone and actually that's our reason to exist has never been that we've never existed to do church we are church you know we always say things like the church is not the building it's the people um but then when you look at what we do and what we you know how we spend our time and our money actually we confirm that the church is the building um and we fell into that trap too you know so much of, we put so much time and emphasis on sunday mornings and creating that to be a place that that people can come into it and people can invite their family and their friends uh, so we had to pivot that was the word that we used and everyone seemed to use during that that season um, and find new ways of how can we be a church that exists to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our, our vision. That's our mission statement. Um, and so we just had to find different ways to do that. How do we find opportunities for us to gather and, and to connect, um, even if it's digitally, um, and create those opportunities? Um, so we did that and we found multiple ways um, to do that. A big change that we've seen is the um, the people who are part of the church. You know, we're still figuring out who's coming back. Um, you know, there's still not everybody's come back. There's a load of people who are not coming back. Um, I think somebody described it as the great reshuffle. Um, so we've had loads of people who've joined us from other churches and we've had a load of people who've left us to go to other churches. Normally, I wouldn't be comfortable with that, but I think a global pandemic sort of shifts the rules a little bit. Um, we're not normally interested in trying to attract people from other churches, but um, we've certainly grown through a bunch of people that way. In terms of what we're doing, um, we're constantly trying to ask ourselves, what is the best way for us to be a church that exists to help people find and follow Jesus? Um, and when it comes to our programs, our Sunday morning gathering, we constantly ask ourselves, what's the best way um, to do that? Which means um, we, we try new things, we try new formats, the things that we talk about, um, 
How do we encourage people to invite? We just had a big team meeting this morning, a leadership team meeting, talking about that. How do we encourage people to invite people to events and create opportunities for that into to a Sunday? Um, but looking back, uh, not a lot has changed. Um, and I'm a little bit worried or disappointed by that. I remember, I think, coming out of the summer of 2020, I had a, a, just a sense, um, or this phrase was going around my head, that the world in front of us is different to the world behind us. Um, and that I wanted us to resist the urge of going back to 2019 and trying to get back to how life would be because the world is different. And if we just go back and try and do the same things that we did before, we'll, we'll be even more irrelevant to the world around us than we than we were then. Um, but then, you know, 2021 comes around and the world starts to open up and we go back to what we know. We go back to the familiar. Let's meet every Sunday morning. Let's do the same sort of things, although we are trying to resist that. Um, and it's just so difficult to try and find out, well, what does it mean for us to be church in the emerging world that is in front of us? What does it mean for us to be a community of people that exist to help people find Jesus and to follow Jesus? What does that even mean? What does it actually mean to follow Jesus? You know, again, I think so much of the stuff we did was focused on belief. Do we believe in Jesus, that head knowledge, and we'll talk about it and debate it and we'll dissect it and we'll look at the original Greek and Hebrew. I can't do the Hebrew, but, you know, I can <laughs> Kai and Paphos, that's my Greek words. Um, and uh, But then in the end of the day, it doesn't actually apply. It doesn't make any difference to how we live our lives. And, um, you know, Jesus calls us to follow him. So what does that mean for us as church and how we do that on Sunday? So we're wrestling with all of those things. But the challenge is, Sunday's coming we're back into the routine and we spend so much time working um, in it that we don't have enough time to work on it and actually answer some of those big questions so again I've not answered your question at all um, and I've forgotten the question as well yeah. no it's great and I, I think um, I think a lot of churches will resonate with with so much of what you said there do you think that the church recognized that as well or you know and that have that desire on some level to ask those questions or is that something that you feel as, as a leader in the church um and they're just keen to crack on and get back to how it was do you think that it goes deeper than just the leadership i think the vast majority of people who are part of the church you know the gathered community don't think about that and and why would they think about that? They've got enough other things to be thinking about, you know, just trying to do life and family and, you know, deal with uh, rising fuel crises and the cost of living crisis and concerns about um, Ukraine and what are Russia going to do next and all of those things. We've got enough on our plate. Um, and so I don't I don't expect people to be thinking about that. But I do recognise that we we all, and I include myself in this, we do have that tendency to just want to slot back into place and and we do have a tendency of being self-focused and wanting things that will meet our needs and fit our desires and do the things that we want to do. Um, and then that can be a challenge when you try and sort of um, just upset the equilibrium a little bit and ask some of those bigger questions about, well, why are we doing this? And is this actually helping us on our mission? I think we did notice, um, and it's not something that we've just noticed. I think lots of churches, certainly in the Western world, noticed is that... Um, through the pandemic we realized that people weren't as strong or mature in their faith as we'd hoped they were and i think we might have noticed that we as individuals weren't as strong or mature in our faith as we hoped we were you take away that sunday gathering and those things and and faith crumbled for many people um the thing that we know is the people that that faith stayed strong and stable 
with the people who were connected into intentional community, as a word we use all the time at FBC, the people who had people around them who were investing in them and who they were investing in, but also as the people who whose faith was active, it wasn't passive, it wasn't about sitting in a row, um, but it was about applying those principles that they discover through, you know, for, through what they hear on a Sunday or, or in their own life, um, and actually are stepping out of their comfort zone, you know, serving their neighbours and serving on our teams here. Um, so that intentional community, that active faith um, and personal disciplines, people who were in the rhythm and routine of reading the Bible for themselves and praying for themselves. The people who were doing those three things, their faith continued to go and it, and it conti continued to grow. But the people who weren't doing those things really struggled. Um, and, you know, sadly, lots of a bunch of those people have lost their faith or disconnected from faith and they've drifted. That's the word. You know, mm -hmm. there wasn't a point that they could say. Um, that's where it happened it just over the time drift happens um, so again that's the thing that we're looking at a lot more is how do we encourage people into those three things how do we help people find intentional community how do we help people step out and have an active faith and how do we help people embrace personal disciplines so that they can grow in their faith mm. now one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, today is uh, something that your church is involved in and I think in terms of connecting with other churches that are dealing with similar things and in similar circumstances. I know you've been like a founding partner of the uh, Further Faster Network. Um, I hope I've got that right. You have, that's correct. Uh, and I was wondering if, I don't know how many of our listeners will have, have heard of it um, uh, so far, but I wonder if you could tell us a bit about how it came about, what it, what it is and uh, where people can find out more about it as well. Yeah, so the Further Faster Network is a network of churches. There's a new network of churches in um, the United Kingdom and Ireland um, that's all about helping churches grow through reaching unchurched people. And our dream is that in every single community that there's a church that is orientated with unchurched people in mind, that thinks about what is it like for somebody who hasn't grown up in church, who doesn't necessarily believe the things that we believe, what's it like for them to walk through the doors of our churches, to sit in a pew or in a row and then experience what we do? How do we do church in a way that is mindful of them and helps them find Jesus and grow in their relationship um, with him? Um, so the network came about because so we were one of the a church that was asking those questions. You know, there's loads of churches that are asking that question. Um, and I think back in 2012, um, we went across to Atlanta. Some of our team at FBC went across to Atlanta to a conference called Drive, um, which was run by North Point. Uh, Andy Stanley's a senior um, pastor at North Point Church. Never heard of North Point or Andy Stanley. Um, a friend of mine, Chris Porter, um, who's another Baptist minister, had been to Drive before. And he says, oh, it's great. You should come. So we went along um, and it was amazing. I mean, it's another world. It's Atlanta. It's like Disney World in some of those things. You know, the, the size and the scale is completely different. Um, but Drive is sort of like their leadership conference where they pull back the curtains and show some of the principles behind the things that they do. And as they articulated what they were doing, it's like, well, this is our vision. This is who we are. This is about what we're trying to do. But they were just so much further down the path than we were. Um, and they had language um, that just helped us 
um, understand, yeah, this is what we're trying to achieve, um, but they could just articulate it in a clearer, simpler way. So we went in um, to North Point, got to know some of the team there. I mean, they are some of the most amazing, humble people that I've ever come across. I mean, the church is massive and, you know, they have multiple campuses. They're impacting people all across um, the world. And we got to know some of the, like, the senior leadership team there and they came over to us, did some stuff with us, helped us, encouraged us. And we're so open-handed um, and so humble about, you know, like we just want to share what's worked for us. And um, and also that they wanted to learn from us and, you know, take ideas from us, which, which was great. So this partnership began um, and we would go over and they'd come to us and uh, and then eventually um, they say, well, you know, why are you guys, because there's a bunch of other churches that were doing that. Why are you all coming over to Atlanta? You know, isn't there not, is there a way that we can facilitate and support you guys to get together and to do this? together um and so we started having the conversations and basically to cut a long story short that's where the further faster came about um so there were five churches of us um at the time um that did that that launched that um and uh, now the network's growing i think uh, there's 12 or 13 churches that are part of it um and we're adding new churches all the time um and the philosophy is that how do we create churches that unchurched people love to be part of and want to grow and we do things like um, you know the strategy of it is to do things like think about how do we create irresistible environments that's language that I understand and uses I'm not a big fan of the word irresistible but it, the point's clear isn't it how do we create opportunities and experiences for people that when they connect with us whether that's just walking into our building on an alpha course or Sunday morning or whatever that actually the environment is appealing that the setting is, is clean and tidy that we thought about um, what it's like for someone to come in just like you know if you were to invite a guest into your home you tidy up before they come around so the things that you do are slightly different because you've got guests there and actually the things that you talk about are slightly different because you've got guests in the house that's exactly what we want to do um, certainly for us on a Sunday morning um, so the network talks about how, well, how do we do that what are some of the things we should talk about what are some of the things that perhaps we shouldn't talk about um, you know, because it's not going to be helpful to them. How do we invest in kids and youth? How do we connect people into small groups in a way that's going to grow their faith? How do we help people grow in their faith through serving? How do we love our communities and be for our communities? Um, there's six strategic principles that we coach people around, we create content around, we connect uh, our team around. And the thing that I, I love about Further Fast, you can tell I'm passionate about this, um, <laughs> is it's more than a network of, you know, I'm part of the Baptist Union, part of Southern Counties Baptist Association. We've been part of um, Global Leadership Summit and Willow Creek and all those things in the past. Um, and all of that stuff's great and those things, but it tends to be me. Um, I get a connection um, and they do stuff for me. Um, but through Further Faster Network, my team um, are on group calls with, so our kids workers jump on calls with other kids workers and our people who run small groups jump on calls with people who run small groups. Um, for us, we've got quite a big staff team, so they tend to be staff people on that. But other churches in the network, they're volunteers um, and they're getting support around those things. And I don't know anything else that's doing something to that extent. So there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, we, uh, I think four of us from our church came to an event um, in the Midlands somewhere. I forget exactly where. Hales Owen, that would have been. That was the one, Hales Owen. And uh, Front Door to Kitchen, I remember the name. And uh, we we were really there was lots of bits there that we found so helpful and even things like you know the the welcome starts in the car park was one of the things we noted down and uh, we've done lots of things to our building 
trying to recognize that actually before some before a service even starts a, a whole load of stuff has happened in somebody's mind and you've you've missed you, you don't doesn't start when you say hello at the front yeah everything and there was just so much there and the importance of getting helping people connect and uh, i think it's such a great um initiative and uh, i'm really pleased that it's growing people have already made up their mind about your church before you stand up and speak you know yeah. before that they, so much has already happened especially if they've got kids you know that experience that they have when they drop their kids off is a make or break um for you if when they go into the toilets you know the, the two most important environments in the church building is the the crash the room where you drop your the babies off and, and then perhaps the, the kids room but also the ladies' toilets uh, are so important uh, and that it communicates volumes on how important that is um, to people. And even, you know, with the, the rise of um, the internet and all those, have you heard about the internet, this new thing? It's never going to last. It's not gonna <laughs> we won't on. catch on, no. We won't catch on. But certainly through the pandemic, you know, people, more and more people are checking out churches online. So they've, they've looked at your social media feeds. Um, yeah. If you've got a website, they've looked at your website before they've set foot in your building. Uh, and are we just aware um, of that? How many obstacles, unnecessary obstacles, do we put in the way of people encountering Jesus um, because our rooms are messy or we've not thought about what's it like to check your kids in in a way that gives you confidence that your precious child is going to be looked after? Or, the, or just the way we lay out our website, you know, the things we put on there. Does it, does it show that we're people who know what we're talking about and we're going to add value to you um, or we're still using Comic Sans font and things like that. <laughs> oh, sing that song. Absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, can you think of something tangible that you went to one of these events or spoke to one of the other churches in the network that you thought we need to go and change that when we get back today? Like, are there a couple of specifics where you thought that's something we need to do? Yeah, uh, there's loads of stuff. So a thing that we've done through the network is is we're often have people who are part of the network come and visit us, not necessarily to do anything, although sometimes we do that because that's great, but just to have a look and to give us fresh eyes. Um, we just don't see the things um, that are there. So um, Duncan, who's the director um, of the network, a while back, it was pre-pandemic came and um, we've got a lovely building, we've got a nice car park, but um, Lots of people come in and park in the in the car park and go and use the park at the back and you know walk through the fields and those sort of things, and there was nothing that said you know this is church church is happening um, today, and so Duncan said well why don't you just get some welcome flags um, out the front and that you put up um, such a simple thing um, and so we did um, we put we got these flags up and we, we put them out and. Uh, I mean, did that transform people's lives? Well, no, not in itself, but it just helps people see um, that there's something coming in there. And that's one of the great things about the network is that opportunity of having people who will come in with those fresh eyes and just point out the things that we were just not even aware of that was in, you know, the pile of hymn books in the corner that haven't been used, the stepladder that's popped up next to the organ or something you just don't see it um and people come in and say that but more than that the program the, the language that we that we use you know when we say things is do we explain that and and we forget so much of that so um having people who can listen to some of my talks and say actually chris i'm not sure saying are you washing the sacrificial blood of the lamb was the most helpful phrase um to you <laughs> there 
because um, so often we just assume so much knowledge. Um, we, we say, you know, Paul said this and like, who's Paul? You know, is that the guy next to me? We know who Paul is. We know what the gospels are. We know what we mean by some of these things. But if somebody's walking in or somebody's invited somebody who's not grown up with the things that we've grown up with or we've experienced, they haven't got a clue what we're talking about. And we just don't hear it. So sometimes we need people who can come in and just say that and say, actually, you know, are you where you said that you use that phrase? um the, the the person singing wasn't very good you know oh yeah they may well be the secretary's daughter but that's great doesn't mean that, that you should give them a microphone to sing um because they're tone deaf and you know you might not want to offend her or offend the secretary but you know you're offending the rest of the congregation and everyone who comes we we, we don't have a secretary and if we yeah, did yeah. That, so that's not i'm <laughs> just using a silly example <laughs> I mean, that's a really good example you pick about the flags because when we came to F FBC, um, I can't remember what I was there for. Uh, we came back and we, we've got flags outside on a Sunday morning. We had exact, our problem is there's about four entrances to the building and we consistently, people say, I don't know, where do I go in? Where do I not yeah. go in? Trying to get in the preschool or whatever. And um, we've been trying to find all sorts of ways to make it obvious where you go in. And because you do get institutionalized, don't you? When you've been somewhere any, any length of time, actually, I'm aware I've been here over a decade. I don't, I mean, there's still lots of things I'd like to fix, obviously, but I don't notice some stuff. But yeah, those fresh eyes will come in and go, and instantly, why have you put that next to the toilet or what, whatever? And we don't see it because it's been there like that for a long time. Yeah. And I think the key there is, so you need other people to do that. You just can't see it yourself because yeah. we become blind to it. But it's knowing what's the purpose of it. Um, mm -hmm. And again, that's the thing that, that we're focused on through the Further Faster Network is just being clear about what we're trying to achieve. And often as churches, we do things without that clarity. We do it because we've always done it. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that our way is the right way at all. It's just, hey, we're intentional about being churches um, that are mindful of what it's like for a non-Christian to walk in through our doors. And we want we want to welcome them in. We want them to know that we know that they're there in the room and that we're glad that they're there in the room. So let's look at everything we do through the lens of that and evaluate what we do for what's it like um, for somebody who's never been there. And I think, you know, for those of us who've grown up in faith and grown up in church, um, it's a bit like us going to somewhere that's completely alien maybe going to Ladbrokes or you know going to a betting shop and just having that experience what would that be like for us we'd feel so alien and and you know whatever the example is um and think you know well let's this is what it's like for people who've never been to church before how do we make it easy uh, for them to encounter the gospel yeah love it um chris on the podcast, we ask all our guests uh, two questions, and I'd like to ask you those questions, if I may. Uh, and the first of those, if you had one thing to declare to the union in this moment, what would it be? I think I'd like to say that we are perfectly designed to get the results that we're currently getting. So if we want to see things happen differently in our churches and perhaps in our union, then maybe th we need to do things a little bit differently. Um, I think that some of our structures and our practices actually hinder the mission that Jesus has called us to. And I think as a result of that, we're in danger of being a people that are content to settle with not seeing transformation, at least at the heart of our churches. You know, we're perfectly designed to get the results that we're currently getting. If we're happy with that, let's keep doing what we're doing. If we're not happy with that, 
maybe we need to look at what we're doing and start changing some things. I like that. That's really, really helpful. Um, if you had one thing, though, that you think Baptists have to declare to the world, what would that be? Yeah. So I don't think we have anything unique as Baptists to declare to the world. And that might partly be why we have an identity crisis. Um, I'd want us to be declaring the love that Jesus has um, for people. I uh, would want us to be inviting people into the fullness of life that Jesus offers for them. And I'd be wanting us to remove all the unnecessary obstacles that get in the way of people encountering Jesus and his gospel. Well, what a challenge. Um, Chris, thank you. It's been a lovely to catch up a bit and to hear a little bit about what's going on with you and FBC and FFN and all the other acronyms. Um, so thank you for coming on to the podcast. Dave, my pleasure. It's been great to hang out with you. So Beth, that was my chat with Chris. Uh, what do you make of that? What do you want to draw out from there? Where should we start? Oh, it's really interesting. Um, and uh, and I feel I've got a list of things um, that he said that as I was listening to it, I kept writing down. <laughs> um, because what is everything, good? What is good? everything he said, I thought, um, that's like a soundbite, isn't it? Like, you could, it's just, it, it was very... Um, easy you could have you could have picked out so many of those kind of snippets and and taken a lot away from them and I think that kind of um easy clarity um was something I really appreciated in it as a conversation um uh yeah wh which one do I begin with I think that's the really the really interesting thing I think what I I most appreciated um was his uh talking about following Jesus um, and, and how how do we get churches to the place where um, it's not about ascending to, to belief, um, but but about living it out? In an, and what's that look like? And how do we do that? And um, and and he was talking about that in kind of this way of actually recognizing through the pandemic that perhaps people hadn't been where we thought they might have been in terms of their faith lives before or kind of discipleship journey. Um, but also I like the whole way that connects into kind of attractional church and um, yeah, just really a lot. I think what I really appreciated was this phrase about um, that he talked about very kindly about people having their heads full of other things um, and all sorts of other concerns. And that was totally okay. It was totally okay for them to have their minds full of those things um, rather than then like it's being seen as a kind of a critique of their faith but like an acknowledgement that obviously that's what they were living with so how do we then help and assist and support so that's yeah yeah I think it's really interesting what you say about um the way in which uh, sort of Chris speaks and articulates what he does I mean he's a really gifted communicator I think and before coming into ministry worked as an evangelist and so calling people to follow Jesus and putting that in ways that's going to be clear and accessible and easy to listen to is just where he is you know and and still that runs through his ministry I think and now and even those conversations I think you get that uh, I think there's something in that and I think the temp there is as you said generosity of spirit in in the way in which Chris spoke about um the other things that people have going on in their, their lives and actually well let's engage with that let's talk about that let's mm -hmm. rather than 
Um, I think there can be, or has been perhaps more historically, uh, a temptation to kind of, not, I don't want to overreg it, but almost sort of people are being unfaithful by engaging their brain with other things and, and those, and they need to be just more focused on God. And mm. whilst we could always do with being more focused on God on one level, I, I think actually um, the way in which Chris speaks about that is much healthier and really helpful. Yeah, it, it was. I'm really interested in how they he was thinking about kind of, you know, it's a very attractional vision of mission, I think, in many ways, you know, um, like, you know, kind of we do church on Sundays and through the community centre in such a way that uh, people come to us, like, so it's much more that direction than kind of going, a kind of sense of going outness, um, but but doing that really intentionally. So saying we know why we do what we do, but we also think about doing every bit of that well so that there aren't barriers in place for people. Um, I thought, you know, that that whole comment about kind of having even other people come in and look at your church with fresh eyes so that they can spot the things that you can't spot because you become kind of institutionalized to your own yeah. space. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, this is actually really interesting, isn't it? That, um, mm. yeah, what, what, what kind of, what seems obvious if you're in the community is not necessarily obvious um, before you get there. And, and yeah, just kind of, um, really thought about that I think that's a really helpful thing I was I feel like they could almost do a checklist of stuff for people couldn't they to say yeah all right how do you from your There's car park so much do? in that yeah and I think the further faster network and I've been to one of their events um there's so much in that. And one of their things is talking about creating irresistible environments is the, the language they use. Oh that's actually, lovely. Yeah and it because it really matters and I think as well, people beyond the church, their expectation level is not what it used to be. You know, it's like Christian conference centres used to get away with being, and they use the word shabby to be generous. Um, and, you know, we've only got fruit salad for pudding because we're Christians. And and actually people don't put up with that now. They expect all the rooms to be en suite. They expect, you know, that people's, extra, and people aren't comparing you to the last church they went in anymore. They're comparing you to the other third spaces they spend their time in and generally the quality of that is is obviously people are doing that for commercial reasons so there's difference but the quality of the environments are generally much better and mm. uh, therefore there's a real challenge in that but I mean I've always pinched ideas every time I've been to Finch Hampstead for little things we've tweaked when I've come back here but we we had a group of people we're part of a, another network as well called Heart Edge mm. uh, which I'll talk to folks about another time maybe uh, but they, as part of that, run what they call consultancy days, where four or five other people from the network. I don't know why we don't do this in our movement anyway. We could bless each other so much with our skills and experience just mm. with each other. Anyway, and these people came in and spent a day with us. So we had an, uh, an hour kind of showing them around, and then we had an hour telling our story where we were at. And then we left them alone in a room for the five of them to talk. <laughs> and then we came back a couple of hours later, and they said, right, these are the four things we want to offer to you or whatever it was yeah. we're he hearing your story hearing where you're at looking around and a lot some of that stuff I say was about the building and you just I was aware that by that point I'd been here seven eight years I didn't notice stuff I mean there's lots of things I do still notice but when you <laughs> first go in somewhere you notice these things don't you and you say you become institutionalized yeah. and you definitely don't see it how someone who doesn't go to church sees yeah. it so we yeah. made we took a whole load of hedges out which actually apparently were making it look like we don't want people to come in and that we were protecting ourselves and hiding away. Now, that wasn't, I think, the intention when they were planted 25 years ago. But since taking them out, it's changed the way people in the community interact with the building. It's absolutely mm. fascinating. 
but it needed someone to come in from outside and tell us that. And I love that right at the core of this further, faster network is this um, explicit, I was about to say implicit, but it's explicit understanding that there is stuff to be learned from each other. This is not about um, uh, us just coming and listening to an expert every now and again. We are going to, it's an iron sharpening iron thing. And mm. there's a real openness and willingness. All right, if we can make this better, let's do it. Why would we not do that? And it's such a healthy dynamic, I think. Mm. Oh, that's so great. I, I really love the idea of an irresistible environment. I think how we um, value space is so often reflects how we value people as well. Um, yes. I think, um, people feel um, kind of held and nurtured and, and kind of safe if you make a space feel a particular way. And that I don't think that always means wealth. And I think it's just no. about the shaping of it and the intention of it and um yeah the care that's gone into that 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 often it really shows um i think um he did this this idea that um that sometimes he says we, we spend so much time in it that we don't have any time to spend on it and i think in terms of the intentionality that was a really interesting reflection yeah. of actually yeah how do we even you know not only getting other people in and, and learning and sharing ideas and kind of creative collaboration but but actually also even to step out of it enough for ourselves to even think that we might need to have those conversations, to look at it, to reflect on it. I think, um, you know, the pace of ministry is so fast for a lot of people and it um, can be really tricky to then like actually say, well, how do I, how do I just step back a little bit? Or how do we as a church, even as a whole church, step back a bit? One of the things I really liked as well, actually was that he talked about the idea of, um, really enabling those who are volunteers and you know equipping those you know people who were maybe not in kind of just the minister <laughs> but actually looking at how do we equip those who are running the youth work who are volunteers at that as well as you know the kind of official kind of pastors yeah. yeah I think how you value volunteers can be a really significant um uh, thing and I, I know because I've seen it and uh, that's something that I've been tempted to go a long way to to put in time into um i think it makes a difference and uh, i mean we have here a very uh, small thing in in this way there's so much more we could and should be doing but uh, on our uh, facebook page should be nice and Port Bay baptist church if people want to have a look. um <laughs> a little shout out there uh, we we have a, a volunteer of the week um and yeah there's it's not competitive, just so you know, it's, it's not it's not an assessment board or anything. Um, <laughs> but it's a case of once a week, we take a moment to say, this person's brilliant and we couldn't do what we do without them, which is true. And it's fantastic that it gets the best response of anything we've put up. And mm. I think that in and of itself says something. And it's lovely just to be able to let them know we're really grateful for what you do. And uh, we had a real mixture of people. So um, I think there's, a, I say, that's a very baby step really for us but I think how you value volunteers and uh, it's something that a lot of churches I think uh, could learn lots about so maybe something again we can revisit in a, a future week but but yeah and and so folks can look up further faster network and all that information is out there and uh, I'm sure if you if folks wanted to get involved or just go along to an event as a, a guest and see um, what it's all about um, then uh, that's something that I think could be really helpful for folks and uh, a lot of the churches in it are baptist churches as well so uh you might find those familiar faces people you know 
Baptist world is a small one. You'll bump into somebody you know. That's just a tinge of inevitability about that, really, isn't there? Um, there's not enough of us for that not to be the case. The church world is definitely ridiculously small. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, the, you know, how is it seven degrees of separation, I think, in church life? It's usually about two or three. Um, oh, that's right. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, but uh, thanks to Chris. And oh, it's a really... Yeah, really interesting to listen to that. And I thought also interesting to think about within the union as well, like, because obviously we're doing this from a kind of Baptist yeah, yeah. Kind of perspective. Um, and uh, the kind of the other networks that exist, and you've mentioned Heart Edge is one of those, and that's one that's got quite a lot um, of Baptist churches in as well, I think. Um, but kind of wondering, um, yeah, how do we take some of those good ideas and, and mm. put it in? Because I thought his, um, you know, his final to declarings were really interesting um so actually you know this idea that we are perfectly designed to get what we're getting actually um what what is it that we actually need to think about in terms of our design as a as a as a baptist, as baptist together to do this differently or um to get a different out out maybe maybe we don't maybe we want to stay where we are but i i think maybe there's stuff in there that i really heard like the kind of consultancy and um the volunteer yeah really emphasizing the kind of the volunteers and the that part of life which i thought was really interesting um yeah how do how do we do that um yeah and of course you know the challenge is you know we don't have the money in the same way and always all those you know yeah. inevitable conversations but um yeah yeah it's a, so, there we go. it's a good challenge mm. that uh, but i think you're gonna uh, play us out with the blessing uh, today I am indeed. Um, so as you go into your weeks um, and as you are where you are, wherever you're listening to this, uh, we pray this blessing on you. Blessed are you who realise there is simply not enough time, money, resources. Blessed are you who are tired of pretending that raw effort is the secret to perfection. It's not. And you know that now. Blessed are you who need a gentle reminder that even now, even today, God is here and somehow that is good enough. Well, Beth, thank you. Thank you again to Chris and thank you listeners for being with us and we look forward to uh, having you with us again on the next episode of Something to Declare. Look forward to seeing you next week.